You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Heard Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Heard Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Heard. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Tonight, we have a full house. I'm joined by Vato. Hey. Nick. I'm Nick. <laughs> Jason. Hey. This and, is Joe. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Do I sound like that? You did, and then you perked up like 22 seconds oh, later. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll be more, I'll be more uh, enthusiastic <laughs> next time. Um, and the, uh, our guest is the co-owner dis- slash distiller of Norden Aquavit, Robin Cleveland. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on, Robin. Uh, okay, guys. So I, I want to start with a couple things. Um, namely, the, the first thing is this uh, whole Sarah Huckabee Sanders um, red hen incident down in Virginia. Um, red Sorry. hen. You looping in like uh, Christ- Christian Norgen? To whatever, who's at the Mexican restaurant? Oh no, what's that? What sounds like an Akavit competitor to me. Well, she does have like six J's in her name. She is the <laughs> um, Homeland Security Secretary. Okay. And she also got booed out of a, a Mexican restaurant. Really? Yeah. So this that happened like the couple days before Huckabee. Okay. So the, the Huckabee thing. So she, the the employees at Red Hen took a vote, from what I understand, and they decided they didn't want to serve Sarah Huckabee Sanders based off of the administration she works for. Um. Sarah Huckabee Sanders then went to Twitter and tweeted about it, um, causing a backlash. And then the next morning, I believe, um, President Trump went on Twitter to kind of jump hey. on, on with, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and even we going as far to say, if you're yeah. dirty on the outside, you're dirty on the inside, uh, referring to Red Hen, which is an unfounded statement. He's never been to the restaurant, I imagine. Um, and her, if, you, if you went and looked at the Yelp reviews, it's funny because this happens no matter what, depending on your on the left or the right is the opposite side goes on there and just gives you a one star. Yes, definitely. And then they, they freeze the account on Yelp. But how many how many food violations has his place had? Well, that, that came up. He had like, <laughs> I, I don't remember the number. I don't want to misquote it. But he had, you know, at least dozens of, you know, problems on his account in Mar-a-Lago. Now, now the, the larger issue that I kind of want to get after is not the, the not what the backlash was, but the initial kind of legality of both moments right so the the moment that sarah huckabee sanders got kicked out or refused service is totally legal you're able according to federal law to refuse service to anyone for any reason outside of a protected class sarah huckabee sanders is not a protected class right she she's not there there's you can't discriminate based on race um age uh a couple other things but um she's not she's not part of that class right sex religion and uh all the Title Seven stuff. Title Seven stuff. Okay, yeah. she's kids. And then, Motherhood is that? Could you argue nope. that one? No, you can't. Okay. Um, and then so her going to Twitter as a public official to attack a private entity yeah, that was, the and then idea. Trump's yeah. kind of echoing that in his own, you know, and naming the business itself by name are both illegal because it's on their government accounts and they can't disparage or they can't promote or something like that from their public accounts from their. They're government accounts, basically. Correct. Yeah. And, and the, so what this ends up being is like this whole idea of like if you refuse service to someone, you, you leave yourself open to Yelp reviews, mm-hmm. to Google reviews. And then they, they got the wrong place. A bunch of people were. Oh, yeah. There's another location in <laughs> Ireland. Uh, yeah. Some other country. Yeah. And th- their, their account got hit hard, too, because yeah. geography is difficult, I guess. See, um, I think that's tough. <laughs> I'm really curious from like a business standpoint. You're no matter what side you're on, by doing that, you are now entering the fray of politics. 
And you kind of got to think to yourself, even if you are doing a vote, you know, with your staff, do you want to kind of put that flag in the ground? Well, they didn't put the, I mean. Well, they, they kind of did by hey, doing hey, something. Here's who put the flag. Let's, let's go back. Because this Mexican let's, place, let's they didn't the do it. It was, the, it was the people that went up and heckled Christian. Let's go back to the bakery. They wouldn't make the cake for the gay couple. Sure. And they're, right? but they're also getting to the fray too. They're basically saying, hey, we want to say we're on one side or the other. So here, here's my problem with everything. Right. So I felt that the baker was wrong. Right. So because I felt the baker's wrong, then I should feel like this restaurant's wrong. But I don't. <laughs> I feel like the restaurant did, you know, the moral thing for themselves. So in that case, maybe well, the baker selective did the moral outrage thing. Uh, in right. the in the support of partisanship is still selective outrage, though. Right. I mean, people are so you know, emotional in this country right now about everything that's going on, that there oh, yeah. seems to just be a total disconnect mm-hmm. um, between taking a deep breath and it's going to be okay. You know, we've been through some shit, but you're right. I feel the same way. You know, if that's how you feel before, you should feel the same way. You know? Right. But I mean, you're, you're poking the trolls at that point because with Yelp, you're, you're basically anonymous. You can go on there and type whatever you want. It takes 18 seconds and you know, well, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, about, you know, if you felt it was wrong, it just is like that's your moral code that it's wrong for somebody to refuse service based on that. Yeah. Then, well, it, then that should extend to, you know, the to, other side. To as well. nasty, ugly people. The, yeah, and the that's, larger... not, that's not, you don't have to be a Trump supporter to feel that way. That's where I'm coming from. Like, right. I see a lot of people that seems like what normally would, you know, be able to kind of grasp that. Like, you don't have to be, it's not one or the other. You don't have to be a Trump supporter to say, Maybe that's not the right way to go about that because sure, totally. there was this previous situation where everybody felt that way. And, and I think that there is a a, a key difference between the, the baker and this restaurant. The, the baker didn't outright refuse service. He out he outright refused to make a wedding cake for a gay couple with I saying like a happy, custom cake too. Custom mm-hmm. cake. They would have sold him a cake off the shelf. That, from what that's I understand. and so that that's a whole nother issue. So he so there is the whole protected class issue with that, which the Supreme well, Court ruled on his side. Yeah, it's not yeah. a protected but, class. But they they ruled on a very specific ruling, and that was partially. So it's if you went and read it, it was based on like the the sp- sp- particular state laws. They overreached, so that's why they ruled in his favor. Okay. But it wasn't a blanket thing. I guess they, from a national standpoint, they still kind of punted on like what they're going to do overall with some of that stuff. Oh, okay. the, fact, the fact remains that half the country or less than half the country, really close, believes that one side is right or wrong. You know, it's like we're very deeply divided on this kind of issue. And even, like I said, I'm conflicted myself. Like, you know, I yeah, I think the baker's wrong. But because of, you know, I put myself in the restaurant, she was like, well, you know, if Trump came in, would you serve Trump? I mean, I suppose I would and get a photo op or something like that. But, but wasn't that ruled that you could kick him out in New York? Didn't someone like, or you can kick out people with Trump hats? Why do I feel like again, that came up too? You can you can refuse service. Yep. You'll see that sign posted in a lot of bars and restaurants. Yeah. We reserve the right to refuse service to anybody. Do you think it's not, do you think it's bad strategy though also for that place? Because like what it seems like has been happening time and time again is when Sarah Huckabee tweets it, when Trump tweets it, that only helps him in the long run. Doesn't it seem like like he gets his people riled up and then it ends up being like no matter what it is, somehow he comes out so, so like strategic, winning. Strategically, I think it was oddly enough a good move for mm. business for Red Hat. So if you, if you follow it on the path of Penzi Spices, Penzi's took a huge stance during the election. Um, and he's still – Bill Penzi still sends an email out once a month actively against what's happening right now. And their business has never been better. Hmm. Um, I think the hope – and, and you, from a strategic standpoint, when you do something as public as kicking a public official out based off your beliefs, you're hoping that something like this happens. You, you oh, take the negative so with the positive. So you think this is a PR move? Uh, well, I don't think it's that calculated. Okay. I, I don't think it's that calculated. I think that it, it ends up being a good PR move. So you, because you have to realize that you're going to get a lot of negative, and you're going to get a lot of positive. You well, can't meant, just think that you're going to be swooped up, at, sure. You know, thrown in the air like a hero. When mm-hmm. I was thinking strategically, certainly from the business, when I'm when I was thinking strategically, I was thinking they're taking a stand based on a political ideology, 
right? So they're obviously resisting this, you know, this other politics. And re- so, you know, from that standpoint, they all agree they want her out there because they want them replaced, not just in the restaurant, but like they want them replaced by their own candidates, right? So like, yeah, maybe the business is going to do better from the PR. But all I was questioning or thinking about was like, in the long run, the more that that energy gets, you know, uh, uh, stoked on the other side, which always seems to be a positive, no matter what it is for Trump and his people, when he gets to tweeting and do all that stuff, like in the long run of actually getting rid of Trump, is that a good strategy? Oh no, yeah. Okay. So I misunderstood what your yeah. point was. I, I don't think that it is. No. So let's take this just a little step further. I'm going to go just extreme on a hypothetical on this. Uh, and you can go to like the movie Waiting just as a comedic example of, <laughs> you know, uh, what chefs do in the, in the kitchen kind of thing. And, you know, being a cop, I've had always had to deal with the idea that probably in my 23 years, someone it's has, a cop. Don't spit in it. Someone has spit in my food. Right? Super troopers. Yeah. Right. Super, <laughs> super troopers. troopers uh, that's another one. Too, <laughs> like spit to you. <laughs> I think collectively at this at this round table here, we would all agree that uh, if I disagreed with such and such ideology, it would be. Uh, morally wrong for us to, uh, you know, do anything to somebody's food or drink. We agree on that, right? Yeah, 100%. So, do, yeah, it's like do no harm. It's kind of like the, the judge or the, wait, the doctors. Doctors, yeah. yeah. Right. So then, so then, okay, so now we're saying that she can't eat because of her ideology. And at what point do we, where's, there's got to be a line in between there somewhere that has to be drawn, right? Do we say, well, nobody with beards can come in or we can't have any gingers in here or we can't have anybody who's, Ball. I mean, we're not talking any protected class. I mean, you can come up with something to say. Well, I'm. You know, this is today's not red shirt day for this restaurant. The, the thing you're you're in a business. I mean, I, I I mean, I maybe I like money more than I like politics, but I'm just like if Sarah Huckabee wants to eat my restaurant, sure, mm. you got money. The, this point came up on on Facebook today, and um, uh, a gentleman brought up uh, that that if someone came in with a, a swastika, or asked for asked me specifically for like a swastika meat pie, what would I do? I said I would ask them to leave, politely ask them to leave. If someone came in wearing a swastika, I would politely ask them to leave. Um, It's not some – so there's differences, right? So I I don't – swastika underneath their shirt you couldn't see. And I mean there's like (laughs) – Yeah. You know, I'm stretching it, but I'm saying that there's there's a lot. But but that symbol terrorizes people. Sure. So so you're in a a physical – you're in a space, a shared space with people and you're terrorizing them. Is Sarah Huckabee Sanders a terrorist? I, I can't say either way. She personally, no, she's not. But but does she? Are there terrorist like policies? Maybe I don't know. Um, and it, I don't know what the thought process was of the restaurant. Um, so there are certain lines in the sand that people have, right? Um, you know, well, it's, it's their own. That's their own line, though. Ex- yeah. Precisely, and that and that's why that for right a small is business there to resu- to to refuse service. So how does does this ever extend to? Larger corporate business. Well, think about the Eater article for a second. So, do you think that Eater National so pulled yeah. all of their yeah. pulled all of their staff before they took a stand on what they were going to do? I mean, so that for, was a pretty for, strong. Yeah, uh, for background, Eater came out siding with the restaurant. Pretty pretty hardcore. Yeah, but, I mean, like I think the terms and the. Article or like you know something about like the mass human uh, mass human suffering cause like I mean they really they really explained their position on yeah. and, and to your point an article like that stokes the fire on the other side too because it's so like blatantly partisan at that point right or it, is that clickbait or the, or clickbait oh, the, Russian, the Russians so, getting us again. which is <laughs> no, essentially no, 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 the no, argument against what Trump does right? no. like, <laughs> I'm talking about like a more like a publisher clickbait like people share it just because it is stoking the fire no, I, I, and yeah, they make more money yeah, yeah. just through via, via, follow uh, the money I mean you know the, the, <laughs> what's good for the goose is good for the gander and these these types of issues of like clickbait and like getting people to you know you want to stoke that fire to some extent as a publisher because you want those clicks yeah. you want your you want your advertisers to be happy but you I know? give them credit for taking a stand. They could have been super wishy-washy and said, you know, like, right. oh, you can do what you want. You can do. Is, so, is there a job to take a stand? I mean, or is there a job to be neutral and present the sides? And When I interviewed with Eater for their Eater Detroit position many years ago, they were very clear about being as neutral as possible. Which makes sense because they're not a political anything. Until now. Right. Uh, kind <laughs> yeah. of, yeah. So segue to your... Your, oh, uh, the, so so yeah. a customer service issue. So as as I've said before on here uh, at Acroids, we ship nationwide. Um, 
the, the lower 48. We don't sh- we we can ship to Alaska and Hawaii, but it's very expensive. So um, I had a message from a uh, customer who who um, was not disgruntled in any way. Uh, he was out in California and st- ordered uh, four uh, four boxes of pies from us. Um, spent over a hundred dollars. Probably so went get the big. free shipping. What's that? <laughs> he went big. Yeah, he went big. Well, we offer free shipping over a hundred anywhere in the country, Got right? It. So you want to you want to shipping out to California is a base of seventy bucks because we're shipping perishables. <sighs> Jeez. Oh. Yeah. Um. So um, you make any money on this? No. Uh, shipping? No. No. Or, Did oh. you make any money on that deal? No. We we we. So you lost. Okay. We we lose. No, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the yeah, story. Yeah. And and and, <laughs> and so um. He emailed, took time to email us and, and, uh, or email me, that's who he ended up contacting, was, uh, and said that he, he tried three of the four pies and didn't like any of them, him and his wife. And they just, he knows, he saw that they were of quality. Um, but he knows his personal taste. They weren't, weren't going to eat any more of them. Um, and that he, uh, he wanted, wanted to know what we would do about it. Did he heat him up? Huh? Did he heat him up? I would hope so. You I know. Well, I ate him. I ate one cold once well, and it he, was gross. How much well, have you been yeah. drinking, Nick? <laughs> I was driving, <laughs> um, but the, so the 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 P, there's a postscript that said I did not write a negative review based off oh, of yeah. um, the hope of a positive interaction essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah. So at that moment, like, and this is where I, where I went to Facebook and uh, just to get general opinion, I I knew what I was going to do anyway. But that moment was like the Cartman Yelp episode where he's wearing the Yelp critic <laughs> of South Park, where he's wearing the Yelp critic shirt and he's going in. You know, boasting about his importance and do not watch the episode if you haven't seen it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it's, it's just gross. It's gross. Um, but and not to disparage this, you know, this guy who this, that's what I thought when I read the email. So, um, how many how many comments did you get? Uh, we got about a I got about 125, 150 comments. Um, all over the map do from, you, a, from a hospitality too. No, jeez, <laughs> no. I was got, really surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um and. uh Ultimately, I decided to refund the money completely. Um, he didn't pay for shipping, so it was $100 uh, back to him. Um, lost, we lost on the food. We lost on the cost of shipping. We lost on the labor. Ultimately, all said, we probably lost about $100 um, total. Uh, Did he comment? He, comment? I, I responded to it, and I gave him a coupon for, an, for a future purchase if he wanted it. Um, More loss of money. <laughs> but he he responded back said that he loved our customer service and and was glad that it ended up being a positive outcome and he said he was going to share the pies with his coworkers um turns out he's a doctor who tried to talk tried to connect him on the phone now if his out. coworkers like the pies is he going to give you the money <laughs> well i kind of suggested it and um and if we get other business because of that like yeah whatever at go. this point like it's it's minimal and if the advertising it becomes positive um and he has a story to tell someone. Like, All oh, these these guys were great. They, you know, I didn't like that. I didn't like what they had, but um, they were very gracious from a customer service standpoint. Um, Did you backtrack how he got to your site? Was it like off an ad, no, or I was it okay? I didn't look. I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, you know, and dude, like this kind of like, well, what? Do, where do we go wrong? Our descriptions are very clear. Um, there's no trickery there. He's vegan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's no meatness. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, like from from the responses on Facebook, the all over the map kind of like, uh, you know, so, someone as far as to like say no, definitely no way ever. Because, um, I mean, you can't account for taste necessarily like in your your margins. Like, Robin, like, you know, you have this Aquavit. If someone goes to the store and um, buys a bottle of Aquavit, it's, well, I mean, it's not going to affect you. Anyway, well, you can't, you can't return to Michigan anyway, so this is well, a terrible. You can, you can this get, is a terrible. No, you can get to, you can you can return. You can get a refund. You can get um the sa- same. It's sketch. It's really sketch. At Trader yeah. Joe's, when I was at Trader Joe's, they said you can you can take back open alcohol if they they if trade it corked. for corked, and if they trade yeah. it for the same either the same bottle of booze or you have like store credit for the you know in that in that. Regard. Go try it. <laughs> Go try it in any well, other I, place. There, it's tough. It's tough to return a bottle. Okay, how about oh. how about something that you go to a. a Bar and you, that's order, the, yeah, and that's you different. Order, yeah. Or if you yeah. bought direct from a distillery, for instance, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the laws are there as far as accepting returns, but I would think. I don't know because you can't technically give away anything for free per se. It might be easier at the distillery because they're maintaining their inventory, right? Whereas from a you know from a off premise, yeah, it's like a third party. It's selling. all that nonsense. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to look into that because there's yeah. 
It's tough. It's so funny because I, I remember reading. Yeah. I remember reading this article. It was like Martha Stewart. Like, hey, buy as much booze as you want for your party because you can always return it. And this is she's in New York, so Before that's a thing it's in New open, York. Though, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can return even unopened liquor. I think I've seen stores take back unopened liquor, but I don't see how they can take back an open bottle no. of liquor. I wouldn't. It doesn't think make so. any sense. I wouldn't think so at all. For, from a customer, sir, I mean, the law is the law, right? Um, and this even goes back to like the refusal of service thing. But um, when I was a Trader Joe's, to use them as an example, like everything has to be frictionless. So if someone comes back and says, they, and it might have been, maybe I'm misrepresenting. Maybe you didn't take the bottle back. We just someone said I didn't like that wine. We just give them credit on another bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we did. I don't remember exactly. This was many years ago when I worked there. Um, that was here in Michigan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And in Gross Point. Um, I'll, I'll send my weekly email to the MLCC to get them on. <sighs> and I'm sure it's going to get ignored again. Yeah. I mean, I would love to d- discuss that because from like a – They won't. They won't. They're not interested. Not interested. Well, they were at a right. table at um, the restaurant show in Novi. And they were just like, nope, 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 MLCC? Nope, nope. Yeah. Okay, so let, let's let's bring Robin into the in northern northern Aquavit into this because I, um, I mean, you're our guest after all. <laughs> so, uh, you are a bartender turned distiller. That's correct. Okay, so how did that shift happen? Um, I was bartender for over 14 years. Um, got my start in in New York. I actually worked at a small corner bar in Brooklyn, uh, and I actually met my wife in New York when I was freelancing, just doing a, a display artist job. And uh, she's from here, so I, that's how I moved here, and I actually stopped bartending for a short period of time in there, and uh, became a real estate agent for a year. If you can believe it, wow! Hated it. <laughs> um, saw an ad for on Craigslist for a bar manager out in Dexter, and uh, I took it, and it kind of sparked this whole reinterest in bartending in a different way because I was like a shot and beer type bartender, high volume, know your clientele really well. Um, and then I started looking into cocktails and really delving into the history of cocktails. And um, I did that for six, seven years. Um, but as far as getting into distilling, through the cocktail bartending, I had a chance to visit distilleries all over the world. And it just sparked this great interest in knowing how the products that I'm working with are made. And then eventually started making bitters. And then I was like, well, how can I make my own alcohol? So that's where it all started. And, and so Akavit is this Scandinavian spirit, correct? Yes. Is where it has its yes, roots. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and for the most part, it, it's kind of um, traditionally heavy in caraway? Yeah, caraway or dill as defined uh, by the EU. In America, it just has to have caraway in it, and you can kind of do whatever else you want after that point. But in the EU, it's got to be dominant uh, caraway or dominant dill, and you are allowed to use both if you if you choose. Now, why did you choose Aquavit? Long story on that one, but uh, I'll try to sum it up really quickly. First time I tried it, I was 21 when, in Denmark. One of my best friends is Danish that I went to high school with. You know, some people drink like uh, a Labatt Blue <laughs> yeah. or some of that, and you're here chugging Aquavit at 21. Well, I'm not going to say that was my first drink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I tried it. I tried it there, and uh, honestly, I kind of forgot about it because it came back to the states, and uh, I never really saw it again. And uh, I'm not Danish or Norwegian or Swedish, so it's not a, a family thing. But as it happens, my wife is actually part Swedish, so that played a major role in us deciding to do this. Uh, originally, we wanted to open a Scandinavian themed bar, um, but we started we started traveling around. Um, checking out restaurants and things that we wanted to emulate. And one of our trips was to Long Road to check out their Akavit. And on the drive back from Grand Rapids, we were like, let's just, let's just make our own stuff. Screw it. But just to backtrack for one second. So what, what would be a Scandinavian-themed bar? Yeah, I'm kind of upset this didn't happen because this sounds delicious. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. So yeah. uh, food-wise, we wanted to eat, you know, all the bar food, open-faced sandwiches called s'morebrot. I'm sure I'm butchering that. Well, because that has like six My friend Charlie will call me right now. Um, (laughs) It does. Is Charlie listening right now? Maybe. What time is it in Copenhagen? (laughs) (laughs) I got ice luges. (laughs) Yep, right. Luge. Um, Yeah, uh, so Danish food. uh, We wanted to do fish and chips. Yes, Um, all the herring. I had this whole idea of taking, uh, getting uh, sea salt from the North Sea and then brining Michigan whitefish, like Lake Superior whitefish, mm, and wow. doing so, yeah. 
But you know, we we still may do that when we get a distillery of our own one sure. day. That's that's the dream. Mm-hmm. Lingonberries. Oh yeah. Yeah right. Lingonberries. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Dill on everything. Smorgasbord. Okay, so wait a second. So you said a distillery of your own. You have a bottle of the Aquavit so, in front so of us. Where are you distilling it right now? Uh, we're actually distilling out of Detroit City Distillery in Eastern Market. Oh okay. So uh, I have a little contract with them. Uh, we get to use their space and sort of piggyback off their distribution through Great Lakes Wine and Spirits. Um, it's been a been a wonderful relationship so far. I did all the R and D there on their small still in the original location on Ryapel. So th- this um, final bottle that's this is going to market. Yeah, it's available July first. How many iterations has there been? How many different? How many different uh, different recipes and trial runs? Dozens. Uh, I started off doing this. On the smallest scale, we were making like a liter at a time, literally, and then scaled up to five gallons, up to 20 gallons, and now we're doing 250-gallon runs. Wow. Now, excuse my ignorance about this, but like when you started, it's like a liter. Is that like a liter of like vodka or Everclear? Like uh, what? what is the neutral? That's neutral grain spirit. Yeah. So, so like it? an Everclear, yeah. An Everclear. Okay. And so – Diesel to be exact. The <laughs> one with the truck on it. <laughs> well, and what – so you have you brought the botanicals with you. Um, I did. I brought some of them. So what? Can you even think back to that first batch? Like how how did you even think about how to go about making aquavit? Sure. Um, as a bartender by trade, I wanted something that was mixable. Um, also wanted to do my best in creating the recipe to um, have broad appeal to the American palate. So my wife was sort of the perfect test subject because she loves gin, and we wanted to kind of piggyback off the popularity of gin, much like mezcal got really popular in the recent years after the popularity of tequila. Nobody knew what mezcal was 10 years ago, and now it's everywhere. Um, so we uh, we wanted it to be – we want to be a, a strong cocktail ingredient, but at the same time stay true to the the heritage of it. So in in Scandinavian countries, it's most traditionally served neat or chilled with food. So it had to do that also. That was that was very important for us to have it stand alone on its own, but also just have a strong presence, a strong backbone that doesn't get lost in a cocktail. So 45% alcohol by volume does that nicely. And then we have a very strong dose of caraway as the dominant botanical. And then what are the other, uh, what did you bring, six with you? Yeah, I've, I've got six with me here. Um, all together in there, there's 10 botanicals, caraway, clementine, orange peel, uh, sumac, orris root. We use clary sage, uh, a small dose of anise, angelica, juniper, dill, and coriander. Um, I brought I brought a few that are a little more unusual. So there's, there's some in there that you would find in gin, like a juniper, uh, coriander, and the orris and the angelica. Those are all those are all pretty common uh, gin botanicals, uh, but what makes ours different as far as uh, the citrus element is the clementine. I searched all over the country trying to find dried clementines to use in our recipe, and I couldn't do it at all. So we actually started buying them fresh, wow. peeling them, and drying them. So what are you doing with all the guts? Uh, juicing it until my kids got sick of drinking <laughs> clementine juice, <laughs> then freezing it and giving it to my mom, and now she's tired of it too. What? Why clementines instead of an orange? Um, a lot of so a lot of distillers use bitter orange. Mm. Um, I wanted something a little sweeter. Uh, that was I wouldn't say I. My wife actually wanted something a little bit sweeter. Um, a lot of aquavits really got kind of harsh notes to it. It's bottled really strong, especially the Danish style aquavits. Um, You'll get you'll get a little bit of a harsh burn. That works really well when you're eating a fatty meal of like fried fish or or pork, which it's paired with commonly. Uh, but for the American palate, again, we wanted we don't add sugar, but we use botanicals that impart sweet notes and and like a sweeter mouthfeel. And, and how do you? So you said there's ten botanicals in there. Yep. How do you like figure out which botanicals like? to use? And did you have them in mind at the beginning? Was there recipes you referred to? Originally, we tried grapefruit. That was one that we wanted to use. But I, I, had, a, I had a good idea of what we wanted to use. Um, there, as far as the ratios go, that took forever. Finding, looking uh, into the, the sort of the secrets of distillation and, and learning from what other people have done in the past is not always that easy. It's not an open book, so you have to do your homework. I started watching a lot of videos of distillery tours, but behind-the-scenes ones, not the officially sanctioned ones. 
Um, so learned a little bit about ratios there and then just getting on forums a lot and reading what people were doing in home distilling because it's legal in some countries. And then there's also people that are doing it illegally that like to write about it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Under pseudonyms, I hope. Yeah, probably. Uh, but Nick, uh, Nick Britsky. <laughs> yeah, stop it. I see you out there. <laughs> Nick so drinks. yeah, just we we uh, <laughs> did all these different different batches. Uh, we actually did fractions of each botanical individually to see what they do. Mm. Um, so I had at one point I had like thirty or forty uh, fractions of different botanicals sitting in my house, driving my family crazy because it was sprawled all over the place. But <laughs> just smelling stuff every day and deciding, you know, I want I want this to go with this. This these two things together bring out this whole other note. So when you distill clary sage, for instance, you get like pear and almost like a passion fruit, tropical fruit quality. You mix that with the sumac and that even that accentuates it even further because there's another little pear note in the sumac. So um, it's a balance. Everything's everything's done with purpose and intent to to bring out. I've heard people taste it for the first time and say they can actually taste every botanical in there, which was a goal from the from the very beginning. So it's cool to hear people say that. Is there like a resurgence of aquavit happening right now? Uh, I think so. Um, that was that was one of the one of the things that led us to jump into this head first. Is I'd been putting it in cocktails and putting it on menus for years, and frankly, nobody ever ordered them. <laughs> um, you'd have to explain what it was. The the few people that knew what it was usually liked it, but it was a hard road to try to explain a new spirit category to people. Um, then you like within the last three four years, you're starting to see more press coverage. There's more stories. It's popping up in cocktail bars on the coasts, at least, at a really really rapid rate. And uh, I think with Long Road jumping into it in Michigan and all the success they've had and the accolades that they've had, um, it's it's uh, it's becoming popular in Michigan. There's other states that sort of have their they already have their scene. I'd say. Uh, Oregon, Washington, and then Minnesota definitely have a strong Aquavit presence. But we're hoping Michigan becomes an Aquavit state too. Are Are you the second distiller of Aquavit in the state? As far as I know, as far as like anything commercially available. Yeah, we were racking our brain earlier trying to think if there's anyone else. So I actually had interviewed um, Robin as well as Kyle for my upcoming um, hour article. So that's going to dive specifically into Aquavit and kind of talk how Aquavit is now definitely becoming a thing nationwide. So, on newsstands this week. Why, why do you think that is? Like, what, what, what about Aquavit is like bringing it to the surface? I think it, it's got heritage for one. So, it's a clearly defined spirit category that's been around. The first written record was like 1513 or something. So, it's been, a, it's been around as long as gin, um, at, you know, at least, I would say. Um, and then because it's new. It's a new flavor for people to experiment with. Bartenders, especially you know, cocktail-minded bartenders, always are looking for new flavors. So I think that's that's one of the biggest reasons why it's it's kind of experiencing this this uh, popularity right now. I think, and I don't think yeah. it'll be a fad either. I think you're going to see more Akavit coming over from Scandinavia, um, and I think more distillers in the states are going to be doing it too. I, th- I think what's also interesting is because it does have those caraway and dill flavors. It's something that a bartender can then know and pick up those ingredients so they can mix with it. But at the same time, because you do have that amazing variety in all the botanicals, you can get the minute differences to taste various different products. So not only can you mix with it, but you can also sample it neat and still really get kind of the chef's or the distiller's you know, take on that product. So it's kind of like a gin. You, know, you can have 100 bottles of gin and they're all going to be different on your shelf. Same thing with Aquavit. I think you're going to get a lot of people, as we get availability to more product, because there's not a ton of them in the U.S. right now, will people experiment and start to grow and love them and experiment more. Outside of this one in Long Road, how many are available in the state? Four or five? Four it's, five. It's growing. There's, uh, there's, Lin, there's Lenny. Yeah. Uh, Alborg is a Danish one. Those are the only two Scandinavian. Everything else is made in America. So I think Gamliode. I forgot where they're based out of. They have like three different versions. Then there's another one from uh, Vikra in mm. Duluth, Minnesota. Oh yeah, we tried those. Th- tried that one at the uh, the Viking Independent one? Spirit Independent yeah. Spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah we uh, did. I have a bottle at home. They've yeah. got like a good cardamom note to theirs. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think what else there is now. 
CH Distillery out of Chicago. It's got one. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Tried that one too. Yep. Both you drank a lot more than I did. I was I, running around getting interviews. Yeah, I did. I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a true statement. Okay. So you're talking about cocktails. You have, uh, Cocktail making uh, apparatus apparatus here. I do uh, have some stuff. Yeah. What What are you going to make? Um, I'm going to make two different drinks. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do an old fashioned, just as, as about as simple as it gets, just to really show off the spirit. Um, using Peychaud's bitters and a little bit of Ango Angostura bitters. Okay. Um, if it's ever in season, I like to garnish with a, a blood orange versus a regular orange. Uh, there's this little bitter notes in the orange that are nice that work with the aquavit. Otherwise, the the oils kind of get lost among the uh, among the clementine. So, and then the second one is uh, second one will be uh, we, what we call the Norden cocktail. It's the first aquavit cocktail that I ever came up with, and that's orgeat lemon juice, uh, luxardo maraschino liqueur, Peychaud's bitters with a little bit of sage over the top. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Which one do you guys want to do first, or should we do them both at the same time? Why don't you, yeah, start with the old-fashioned. All right. Um, well, you make that. Uh, Jason, what does Sugar House do with Aquavit? Do you guys use it they much on the menu? with it. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> shocking. <laughs> I thought they did laundry with it. Wow. No, I can't. Um, that's what you're getting, Nick. <laughs> so britsky. Right off the top of my head, I mean, I should know this. The menu just came out. The new season menu just came out. Which totally stole ago. my idea, P.S., I really? was going to do a whole series of drinks with statues, oh, and well. you s- stole it. And I didn't even talk to you about it. Damn. Well, we can. Uh, well, that's good. For the record, Nick did not talk to me about it ahead of time. So great minds think alike, independently. I totally. Uh, I told Lish about that. She's like, "Oh, they stole it from you." I'm like, "I know. I took too long." Pingree was going to be one. You still don't even know who he is. I have no idea who he is. Um, well, we could we could do something together uh, in the future. About you know, if you want to highlight some of those statues, we could spend a day drinking and. You in know. front of the statue. Yeah, Let's make the like cocktail that. in front of the statue and yeah. take photos. That was my you idea. You know his statue is. We can still yeah, do it's that. right at Wilbur, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I'm not dumb. <laughs> Grand, Circus, Grand Circus Park. But to answer your question, so I can't off the top of my head, but we have, where, I mean, we have worked with Long Road in the past. You know, we bought a wheat whiskey from them. Oh, we, yeah. we did the Bartender's Blend gin, uh, not just the Sugar House, but the USBG did, but a lot of the Sugar House staff was there, Dave. Um, so we've done, um, we just got their barrel-age version of that, as a matter of fact. Uh, but we have had their Aquavit on the menu. Everyone stares at me as soon as I do anything. <laughs> Pick up the camera, <laughs> asshole. You're missing so, it. <laughs> so one of the things that we're doing at at, uh, at Ackroyd's is we're starting to bake uh, more cocktail um, cocktail themed cakes. Okay. Um, so w- we uh, we did uh, a Negroni cake this month. We're doing a, a cake based off the penicillin cocktail. Next month, um, we're doing an old fashioned cherry pie, and I, I'm really excited to bake with this stuff. Um, I don't know what we'll do with it yet, but th- that's it, there's a lot of room for uh, for experimentation with, with such a varied that's part flavor of the front profile. of it, you know. One of the coolest things to do with it is actually to cure salmon and make gravlocks. Ooh! So could you do like a salmon pie, like a salmon meat pie? Actually, um, we are we are uh, we're doing a brunch event at Urban Rest in uh, on July fifteenth, and we are in. We are planning a, to do a smoked salmon uh, pasty, essentially. It'll be smoked salmon, cream cheese, dill, um, capers. It'll probably, it'll probably serve with capers and tomatoes, um, caper tomato salad. So yeah. for the for the uh, novices out there, what's the distinction between the two bitters? The, uh, the Angostura's got a little more baking spice thing going on for sure, um, like nutmeg, citrusy notes. And then the Peychaud's has it has similarities to the Aquavit. There's some anise present, I think. And then I I've always thought there's caraway in Peychaud's bitters. I don't know for sure, but it's much brighter. The Peychaud, yeah, the Peychaud's is much brighter. It's uh, yeah, like you said, the Ango is very it's like fall dark, warm. Did you use sugar in that at all? Or, or yeah, just uh, just okay. a two to one raw sugar. Gotcha. Okay. So what what was in this one again? Uh, it's two ounces of Aquavit, mm-hmm. the Norton Aquavit, a quarter ounce of two parts sugar, one part water syrup, and uh, three dashes of the Peychaud's bitters, one dash of Ango, and then a very dry blood orange. <laughs> so if someone were to buy your uh, buy a case of your Aquavit, are, when? are you- When? What's that? When they buy a case. When? Yeah. Okay. I mean- are. Are, are you going to provide like these ideas with like these recipes and like 
We've we've played around the idea of doing a little hang tag on the neck of the bottle. Um, I think social media is so good for stuff like that and just people visiting websites that it might not even be necessary at this point, um, especially because we're just in Michigan, that we, we kind of want to have a presence and we want to have a relationship with bartenders all around the state. And uh, hopefully people can learn pretty easily that way what to do with it. But um, we've already started posting a couple of recipes on our Instagram page and with many more to come. I've got a catalog of drinks that I've been coming up with for that. So is it assumed that if you're a bartender um, working at a reputable bar, uh, you know what Akavit is and you know how to use it? At a craft bar? I mean, if you're at, you know, just like a like a high volume bar, you might not know what no, it is. No, but I'm saying any place that would carry Aquavit, do you know what to, like, is it assumed that the bartenders know what to do with yeah, it? Yeah, it's in all the tests. It's in the USBG test. It's in, uh, I think it's in Wired. I'm not 100% sure if it is. I don't remember. But you should probably. I think most of that, I mean, every, again, cocktails are becoming so ubiquitous now that I wouldn't assume that every single place that had cocktails would, like you said, if they have the bottle, um, most bartenders at reputable cocktail establishments are there because they're pushing themselves, you know, continually to learn on their own. So they're, like you mentioned, they're already looking for those new flavor profiles yeah. and what to do with them and um, so I would assume that that would be the case. Also, hopefully the Great Lakes tasters or Robin are going to educate them on it when they bring it into the bar and talk about recipes yeah, and flavor I'm, profiles. I'm happy if anybody's listening out there that works at a bar, runs a bar, I'm happy to come in and talk to anybody and everybody. I, I would love to. So speaking of tasting, is there any distinction with the glassware that we're using? Is there a necessity to the style of glassware? or No, it's just shiny just, and pretty. Oh, they, no. make a, they make a clear <laughs> spirits glass. It's like a... Uh, it's like a tulip. So, it's, are you it's, talking about the one we're drinking straight out of? Yes. Yeah. This is what I use for tasting. Yeah. So, so, just a little bit of a fluid uh, on it. Yeah, it's basically like a little mini wine glass, and it traps traps stuff in there quite nicely. Doesn't overpower you with an alcohol burn in the nose. Just notice we all have really big noses. We all have really big European notice noses. <laughs> It's just, I don't know why that popped in my head. Probably thinking about sniffing. So never noticed. That let's talk about. So this is your first production run. How big was the first production run? Uh, better than expected. We we actually yielded. I think close to fourteen hundred bottles. Uh, no, twelve 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 ninety. Okay, twelve ninety. Um, so that's that's it for the first run. And then we're gonna do. We've, we're doing another one of the same size. Uh, we're actually firing it up tomorrow. I just prepped all the botanicals this morning. And how long does it take to? The run lasts about four to five hours. Uh, then we let it rest to just let everything meld back together. And we'll add water and let it rest a little bit more just to make sure everything has married properly and settled down. Distillation process can be a little rough. Anybody that's – you smell something when it first comes off the still, it's really nice. Anybody that's smelled something the next day, not so nice. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. What's the, what's the projected kind of – like? sales are, are the the first is the first run spoken for or i wish okay <laughs> <laughs> um anybody that wants it uh can can order it the uh the mlcc product number is 18061 <laughs> call robin directly 517 yeah, can't do that <laughs> uh but yeah we you know we have we have a couple bars that have that have uh, said they want to pick it up uh i know at the last word where i used to work there they got it on the menu in two different drinks already damn just waiting waiting for the first delivery uh but you can put the first day of availability is july 1st you actually can't get an order in i don't think until the second because that's a second is a monday um, unless you are allowed to put an order in on Sunday, probably nothing would happen. But uh, and then orders will go out that week. So whenever your whenever your liquor order is, if you uh, if you're at a store or a bar, but you can you can get the order in first thing. And last month, words, an month. awesome bar if you haven't been there. Last uh, last word in uh, Ann Arbor, cute little speakeasy. Did we mention yeah. the price point? Because I don't even know. Uh, sh- minimum shelf price is twenty seven ninety nine. That's great. Uh, wow. Licensee cost twenty three seventy four. Those numbers are in my head. What's a when I go what's a licensee cost? That's if you. That's the cost. That's your wholesale cost. If you're if you're a, a bar owner or a, oh, okay. or a party store. So if you get your off premise license for Ang, uh, for uh, Ackroyd's, you could uh, save a that. couple bucks. Yeah. Wow. I, I think it's the first time we've talked about that cost. That price. Point. Yeah. If you ever open up the liquor book, you'll see both prices. Yep. Uh, specifically in the XL. And I'm then not you'll sure learn how similar. how slim the margins are for yeah. for the poor people that sell booze. Right. Now bars bars have it easy. They have a markup. 
well, that but, they can do. But. but you can mark it up to whatever you want. You can, but you can't go below. You just can't go below. Yeah, and, and a lot of people mark up a couple bucks. I know. Yeah, I'm not going to call it names. Uh, I mean, you're talking about like liquor stores. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I've. Uh, I mean, I know enough about the whole margins game and, and and the kind of outrage that happens if places do mark things up. <laughs> where, um, which again, free market as far as I'm concerned. That's that's what I think too. I mean, I, if um, you want to put that pappy on for eighteen hundred bucks, knock yourself out. Yeah, and if someone buys it, good, good for you, good for that person. They really wanted it. Well, right. I, I know some stores are like they're, they may be, for example, like a straight five percent over state minimum, and that's their policy. Yeah, not just necessarily for the allocated bottles or whatever it is, but and then you'll see other stores that will have like the state, state minimum, minimum pricing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although the interesting maybe thing, on just the Tito's, but yeah, nothing else. <laughs> yeah, you got to call them on that though. I do like that the MLCC though, to their credit, uh, they do have that. Uh, like I've got the link bookmarked on my home screen on my yep. phone where you can just open go right to a online searchable price book so yep. if you ever have a question all you got to do is click that and then you type in what it is and it'll tell you all the information it's very transparent about what that premise price is what the state minimum is so you can always be an informed consumer and our resident government employee did look up the law for returning alcohol and you can do it so uh, opened no Unopened. unopened. I know I've seen yeah. unopened, but I really did not think you'd be I encourage to. you to try it. Okay. You will get an earful from the retailer. <laughs> it says uh, you can return it if the product is uh, spoiled, contaminated, or container is damaged to the extent that the contents would be uh-huh. uh, but not if you likely to be like of it. unsanitary right. nature or unfit for consumption, and if the return product is not resold and is removed from the licensed premise as soon as yep. uh, practical. So you can't overbuy and but bring not back. Not 14 days. Yep. You can't just bring it back if you bought too many. Right, because oh, okay. you, if you didn't open it, you wouldn't know that you didn't like it. And so if it's not damaged, you're stuck with it. So if you open it, you're like, oh, this tastes like caraway. This Ugh. is undrinkable. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So for the first time Aquavit drinker, how do you introduce someone to Aquavit? Good question. Um, one of the things that I always do is just have people try it straight. It's Try it straight first. If you want to try it in a cocktail, if you're afraid of drinking straight booze, some people have an aversion to that. Um, making a gimlet is the simplest cocktail that just about anybody can do, or Aquavit and tonic. With a good good quality tonic um, and a little maybe a slice of cucumber in there works magnificently well. And what's a gimlet for those that don't know? That is lime juice, sugar, and gin traditionally. But you can do it just Aquavit. Swap the Aquavit for the gin. Works wonders. Make a vodka gimlet if you really want. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because that's like Dave Wondrich's thought on rums was always tried in the daiquiri. Mm-hmm. And that's the great way to test out a rum. Good which, benchmark. But yeah. they talk yeah. about that with old fashions too. You know, do it old fashioned with the whiskey you want to taste. So gimlet, there you go. Yeah. I think I, I, I've had not a bad Aquavit in a gimlet, honestly. It works. Cool. I think ours is better though. And so, so we we mentioned Long Road before, and Long Road also has an aged version of their Aquavit. Yes, is there any? Are, are you, do your goals include having a we're, version? We're experimenting with aging. Uh-huh. It wasn't the original goal. Uh, we may do it as a special release here and there, but it wouldn't be something that we would ever regularly do. As far as we are, where we are now, um, just because been, of the logistics of the warehousing. Well, yeah, we don't have we don't have a space of our own right, right. now, so that that becomes an issue. Um, and then consistency-wise, we don't have the access to to barrels like they do because they're using their old barrels sure. from their whiskey. Makes perfect which is sense awesome. for them. Yeah, because yeah, okay. you can only use it once for bourbon, right? So they're just throwing Aquavit in there when they're done. Got it. As far as I know. So then what's the goal? Uh, your own space? Yeah, ultimately we're looking for our own location and we want to make we want to make a lot of things. Uh, our goal would be to have it, whatever we make kind of tie back to – the north, whether it's Scandinavia or something here in Michigan, I think there's a lot of parallels between uh, agriculturally, at least. There's a lot of a lot of the same stuff grows here that does there, um, and then just as far as like people that have settled here, are a lot of them are from those areas mm-hmm. also. Make some screech. I don't even know what that is. Some what screech? It's like Canadian rum. Oh boy! Yeah. What? 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 What is it? <laughs> I got a bottle. I'll bring it in sometime. N- Maybe not. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's rum that I believe was aged on like the port towns of Canada. I was going to say maple syrup something. Yeah. Like that, but that would be, that, that'd be, 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 that'd be
Screech. Screech. Like, like Dustin, Diamond. Right, yeah. right. Dustin Diamond. Right, right. That's what I thought. I was like, like, <laughs> like porn star extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Vato's pulling up Urban Dictionary right now. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Screech. Yeah. Okay, so you still have one more cocktail? You wanna... Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Should I finish this one? Is that the... I mean, Somebody has to. Pace yeah. yourself. We're doing back-to-back podcasts. It's fine. For for any listeners that want to stick around, we'll be podcasting again at roughly 9 o'clock. I'll help, I'll help with this. For all the live listeners out there, <laughs> wave your hand. I can see you. So I think the coolest thing about this stuff is that you can you can say you're drinking like a Viking. Yeah? <laughs> this, is a, this is what the Vikings Technically, drink. Vikings did not drink aquavita. Oh, damn it. Mead? Me- beer and mead. Okay. So there are a lot of distillers out there that do make that claim, and there was actually an article that we were featured in called The Case for Drinking Like a Viking. But I think when Vikings were at their peak, distillation had not been invented. <laughs> there you go. So you're not drinking like a Viking. You're just drinking like a Scandinavian person. Well, it's funny. Like pirates. <laughs> like a sailor. <laughs> so they talk I about I think they pirates. all consider themselves Vikings still. So <laughs> They talk about pirates, how pirates probably didn't drink a lot of rum. They probably drank brandy because they were – uh, pillaging the ships that were importing it from Europe. Hmm. That's in um, oh, whose book? Whose big uh, uh, that and a bottle of rum? I'm trying to think who wrote that. Interesting. I had not heard that. Yeah. I mean that that does make sense about the pillaging thing, but wasn't that where like the navy strength rum came from? Though was from being that, able to being able to test it, being able to uh, use uh, if the gunpowder got. Right, what it was proof. still set on fire. Right, so yeah, like, the whole, that's the whole proofing of. Alcohol. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's the that's the navy, but I imagine they your tots. Yeah, black tot. Okay, tots like in <laughs> potato, potato tots. tots. No, you have, you have a tot of rum, which is, I believe is a it's a size, right? It's uh, so many gallons. Uh, I'm trying to think, think of bad luck. Well, no, that's uh, the flagon is a uh, oh, four point five liters. Okay, is a flagon. It's getting serious in here. He's, Juicing, juicing a lemon, like juicing. the biggest lemon ever. <laughs> Fresh <laughs> juicing in the smallest, the smallest juicer. <laughs> I've worked in smaller bars situations before. I like it. The last word serves well for one. <laughs> so, what, what is this? Don't ask him questions while he's trying to frantically make a drink. Red. That's sumac. Botanical. Is that, is that is that sumac? That's an unprocessed sumac Whoa. spice. Interesting. A lot of times when you buy it, you'll see it's just all ground into a powder. It's almost purple, right? Uh, it can be, yeah. yeah. And it's like a, it's like a sour. Is it almost like a sour? Yeah, it's the, it's the fruit of a fruit of the tree. Uh, you'll see it growing along the side of the road in Michigan. Hmm. There's, there's two native varieties. There's a staghorn and a smooth sumac. Um, the bright, bright red in late July through August. And sumac is used in um, Arabic cooking, isn't it? To some extent, it's really big to like f- finish off like a fatouche or a. Uh, any salad, really. Big use, use in dressings. Is sourcing all uh, all these botanicals are pretty easily sourced and at scale? Uh, the clementine was a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> the sumac, also unprocessed, is a pain in the ass to find. But everything else you can buy in bulk doesn't mean you're going to get good quality. So it's important to get samples of whatever you're getting uh, before you commit to buying 100 pounds of it. So what's bulk? We got burned a few times. It's bulk like ten pounds, hundred pounds. Um, I mean, you can get you can get a shipping container full of stuff if you want. Well, I know you, but what are you buying? <laughs> You're not buying a shipping container. I bought a hundred pounds of caraway for the first <laughs> batch. It's ridiculous, and that comes in can't like get a this thing open. Giant sack. A pirate, a pirate's booty. A pirate, a pirate's booty of caraway. <laughs> No, I, I've done some sourcing uh, at the bakery, and like if you look at s- sites like Alibaba, um, some of their some of their sales start at like ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand units. Damn, it's like uh, I could have sourced macaroni for um, but was it, 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 it a, about a penny a pound. But it, it was Alibaba like, Prime, though. That's a well, question, right. <laughs> but it was like it was like twenty five thousand pounds of yeah. macaroni, and it's going to be half melamine. Well, whatever. I mean, melon. You're, you're not eating it. <laughs> I was actually, I don't know where I just read this, but I did. I'm going to have to find it. Um, I was just reading an article about how um, a lot of the, I don't know if they're the bars, but the spirits in China, it's starting to be widely known that they're actually fake spirits. Really? Yes. That they're just like filling yeah. bottles with yeah, because grain alcohol like, or something? Yeah, shit? it's like the land of knockoffs, and they're like even knocking off actual spirits. 
Really? I'm going to find it and post it for you. I Interesting. Wanna, yeah. Well, but, I mean, I had read once uh, there was a like NEC. It's like an electronics, a big electronics. Yeah, one, yeah. And uh, there was they had actually uh, pass it on down. Yep. That's they had full. A, they had actually. Um, these guys, these Chinese guys, went went to these like global trade shows, and they were passing out business cards. And they had built like a whole industrial complex in China with like the pictures of it. Like they basically just jacked the NEC brand, and were like selling electronics as NEC with their own like what looked to be like an NEC building with NEC, you know, salespeople taking orders, and it was pretty hilarious. Wow. Yeah. One they of my friends hard over there. One of my friends, I don't think they're in China. I think they're in another Asian country. But I mean, there's a Star oh yeah, and great. Bucks. Your only friend. Star and Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you, uh, Ron, can you tell us about the uh, label design? Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful label. Thank you so much. It came out better than we had hoped. Um, we hired uh, a graphic designer oh, so good. named Ben Kochinski out of uh, Kansas City that did all the work for us. Um, it was a, it was a long process, a lot of back and forth. We did everything over over email and phone, uh, but the idea was just sort of like, you know, not not your quintessential booze label with like a diagonal old west looking thing. We didn't want to be mistaken for whiskey at the end of the day. Um, and Akavit's really don't have a they don't there's not really like a, a vibe that Akavit really has. There's a specific bottle like right. Riesling. Yeah. So uh, we just wanted to go with something kind of classic. So there's a nod to Art Deco design. And then um, sort of a slogan of ours is share the spirit of Akavit. And that's written prominently on the side of the bottle. And I think what's also very striking is not only do you have the copper cap, but you pick up that like it's almost like copper leafing that you have. On yeah, there. we have two different foils on the label. Foils. Uh, there, you go. there you go. Fancy, fancy hot foil stamp. It's a throwback to my collectible card days. Yeah, you get that, get that hologram card. Yep, that's that's worth the money right there. <laughs> I was really just into the gum. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a great color scheme. It's a it's a nice clean clean look to it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we did we chose the bottle with bartenders in mind too. You know, you see a lot of craft spirits there in these big heavy bottles, too tall to put on the. the they have shelf. good they have good shelf presence, the, uh, but yeah, well. too square to fit in the well. Uh, or you're, you know, you get tired of picking that thing up with like, you know, t- an inch disc of extra glass on the bottom. That Galliano that's like three feet tall. That's an obnoxious too. So yeah, something, <laughs> something that's, you know, easy, easy to maneuver in hand. Are most was, aquavits at ninety proof, or is that something you decided on? Uh, in America, I think you can't go below forty percent. Mm-hmm. In Scandinavia, it's thirty-seven and a half or thirty-eight and a half. Uh, but there's, you can go as high as you want. Um, the first one I fell in love with was the most basic Akavit Alborg from Denmark. Uh, it's forty-five, and the the, the proof is to, so it can hold up in a cocktail. Really, that's cool. that's the and idea. And you're making less money too. You could go down to forty percent. Yeah, we could. I feel like that. We is could a, also buy inferior yeah. ingredients. And I should mention also on that note that this is all organic. We don't have we don't have the labeling uh, because we'd have to get the facility certified which is not our facility. So uh, one day we may get there, but ev- everything we put into it, except for uh, a small percentage of the, the uh, Clementine peels themselves, they just couldn't get in bulk. But every other ingredient is organic, and it's a neutral corn spirit base. And it's gluten-free. It is, technically, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the last uh, cocktail vegan. is delicious, by the way. Thank oh, my you. gosh, yeah. Delicious. So what was in that last cocktail? That was uh, an ounce and a half of Akvit, three-quarters lemon, uh, half ounce of Orgeat, quarter Luxardo Maraschino, and uh, two to three dashes of Peychaud's bitters. And the Peychaud's really gave it this great color. The bright this, pink. Like, coral yeah. pink, yeah. It photographs well, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Except for in this, the terrible lighting we're in, Jessica. You get those awesome green cubes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so, how much, do you drink Aquavit every day? Uh, for the last six months, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, so you're at the point where you can just be like, this is off and here's why. What's that? Like you can get to the point where you're like, this is off. And oh, here's totally. Why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I blind test everything I do against everything that I've done. Um, and I bring my wife in on that. You know, she's my, she's my you know, second in command. She's, or, you know, I wouldn't even say second in command. She, she runs the show more than I do. Um, but, you know, she's been, she's been my biggest supporter in developing this and my biggest helping hand in, you know, choosing the flavor profile that we we want to go for because i think 
you know, she's always been my muse as far as cocktails go. I run everything through her and I try to make drinks that I think she would like. So that's no different with making this too. So that is, you, that is a big thing. I mean, when you make a drink and you're like, oh, this tastes delicious. And then you give it to your significant other and they're like, no, this is baloney. Yeah, everything that I like, she's <laughs> yeah. like, no, nobody wants that. But it in helps <laughs> because even if you, that like, it keeps you moving. And so you're not just like doing it only for your palate too. Yeah. And I think some of my most successful drinks as far as, you know, sales on menus as a bartender were ones that I made for her mm-hmm. that I liked, but you know, she had to like them too. Right? Not everybody wants to drink the bitter, boozy stuff that I love. Yep. Uh-oh. Do you have any crazy rituals before you taste? Because I remember uh, reading about the uh, the Hennessy, uh, well, the family, and then they've got the tasters. So, like the Falou family, they're seven generations in of the blenders, and um, that's all they do. And so the guy, he has a ritual, and he sticks to it every single day. Like every day at ten p.m. or ten a.m., they go to the cellars. They taste like his. He has to have. I know it's not that extreme, but I've always found this really fascinating. His palate has to be exact, primed exactly yeah. the same every single day. Yeah, to be to be tasting like all of those. Uh, I actually just taught a class on how to taste spirits, and that's that's the one of the most important things to have a routine. Interesting. Um, whether it's the time of day or the setting or how you exactly taste it, you have to do it the same every time, or you're going to get different influences. Whether it's something that you ate. Or, you know, you br- you just brush your teeth. You don't want to be tasting whiskey right after brushing your teeth, right? So just uh, Paul Picoult. That's why I have the shower whiskey and then I just <laughs> brush my teeth after. <laughs> Paul Picoult, who taught, kind of taught me how to do this stuff, uh, always does his tastings in the morning. He's the author of the Spirits Journal. Cool. Um, so he doesn't eat or drink anything before tasting. So it's okay to drink before lunch. That's what I'm telling everybody, yes. <laughs> yes. It's encouraged. <laughs> okay, so one more time. Norden Aquavit is available when? Uh, July 1st for order. It should be shipping out that week. Awesome. Uh, and then where can people find you online? Uh, our website is not live yet, but right now we have a Facebook page and uh, Instagram. But the website will be NordenAquavit.com. And then the Instagram is at Norden Aquavit. At Norden Aquavit, one word. Facebook is Norden Aquavit. Yep. Awesome.